You are Locked On Balls, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here on today's show. Today's show will include a lot of football talk. Talk about Tennessee's quarterback position, Jarrett Garantano as the starter, the guys behind him. Also, a stat that maybe will make you think a little bit about Jarrett in that position as Tennessee starter heading into 2020. That's coming up in segment number one. As today's show is presented by rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Coming up in segment number two, I'm going to take a bigger picture look at Tennessee's football program, as I've done from time to time over the last few weeks, last few months really, and look at how Jeremy Pruitt's job performance last year and over the last couple of years has been viewed and what it says about where Tennessee is this upcoming year. Is it a make or break year? I would not say that, but some are. So we'll uh, we'll cover that in segment number two, and then in segment number three, the almost daily update about football happening this fall, the Ivy League with the decision, does it impact the Power Five, what the talk is behind the scenes among Power Five administrators. I will catch you up on that in segment number three of Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you for being here today. Thanks to everybody who has rated and reviewed the show and spread the word to other Tennessee fans about Locked On Vols. I saw this stat from Pro Football Focus on Wednesday, Pro Football Focus's college football coverage, and it noted that with Tennessee quarterback Jarrett Garantano in 2019 last season, 62.8% of his passing yards occurred before the catch. That was last season in 2019. I think there's been a lot of talk about, well, he really benefited from uh, Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway, Josh Palmer, some, their ability to catch the football, make plays, break tackles, and pick up extra yardage. And he did. Tennessee's offense did. There's no disputing that. But 62.8% of his passing yards occurred before the catch last season. That was the highest rate in the SEC. When passes were completed, a lot of the time he could deliver the ball down the field. Early in the season, there were some clear issues with decision-making. There were some accuracy issues at times. I don't know that I would have him throw another swing pass to the right side of the field to a running back at all in 2020. I'm exaggerating a little bit. So there is no denying the issues that Jarrett faced last season. He was benched for a reason after that Florida game, and uh, he continued to come in as a reserve and even as a starter against Indiana. He struggled again before helping Tennessee come back in the fourth quarter against uh, the Hoosiers in the Gator Bowl. Heading into 2020, though, the full expectation is that Jarrett is going to be Tennessee's starter. He will face competition, and I think that's important. I'll get to that uh, why that's important coming up in a moment. But Jared is viewed as the guy, and now he's the guy heading into this year without Jennings, without Marquez Callaway, without Domwood Anderson. Josh Palmer is back, and Brandon Johnson being back helps. That's a guy that's practiced a lot with Garantano. They played some together on the field. Ty Chandler's played a lot of football with Jared Garantano. So it's not a, a complete rebuild around that skill position group. But some of the big boys from last year are gone. The two most important pass catchers for Tennessee, Jennings and Callaway, are no longer at Tennessee. So Jarrett's ability to be more consistent and lead is going to be really important. 
Back before the start of spring practice, which barely happened, they had a couple of practices, Jeremy Pruitt talked about the quarterback room, starting with Jarrett Garantano, who again projects to be the starter in 2020, but talking about Jarrett and the other quarterbacks and what those guys will be working on, would have been working on in the spring, will continue to once they get back to practice. Here's Jeremy Pruitt. Well, I think Jarrett's played a lot of ball, right? You know, um, if you look over the last half of the year, um, uh, Jarrett done a lot of really good things to help us win football games, you know. Uh, JT done some things in the South Carolina game, the UAB game that helped us win some football games. You know, uh, Brian uh, showed some promise at times, you know. Uh, all these guys, the first year in the system, they're not going to do anything but continue to improve. Um, you know, we've got good competition there, you know. So, uh, Jarrett's a guy that um, has played a lot of ball, uh, you know, and I think if you look at all three of those guys, they, they, there's a lot of positives that they do, okay. We've got to eliminate the few mistakes that we've made over the last year and, and with another year in the system, that's something that we're working on. You know, we've got a couple of other quarterbacks in that room, uh, Harrison Bailey, Jimmy Holiday, uh, Kasim Hill. They're taking the same amount of reps too. So uh, we've got good competition because we got to figure out who our first quarterback is, who our second quarterback is, who our third quarterback is, and they'll get a chance to do that throughout the spring. Um, you know, I think that's every position, right? Um, you know, in this business, it's, 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 you're only as good as your last game, right? Whether you're a coach, whether you're a, a player. So there's, there's always, there always needs to be competition so everybody will be at their best. I agree with that totally from Jeremy Pruitt. Competition is important. That didn't exist last year as going into the 2019 season, Brian Maurer and JT Shrout just weren't ready at the start of the season. I don't know a month into the season if they were ready. Maurer had some natural playmaking ability, and he provided a spark for Tennessee. It was the right move to make a quarterback change, I believe. I think Jeremy Pruitt made the right call there. But they still ended up needing to come back to Jarrett several times, partly because of injury when Brian was knocked out of a couple of games, and then also because of uh, just performance. Uh, Maurer had to be replaced in the Kentucky game, wasn't getting it done. Jarrett did. But this year, there will be legitimate competition. Maurer is a year older, and he does have experience in the SEC. JT Shroud has some experience. He's a year older. He's now entering his third season in the program. And then the arrival of Harrison Bailey has an obvious impact in terms of competition. Is Bailey ready to be the starter? Is he ready to go play in big-time football games? I would say probably not. Uh, There's no way to know, at least in my position, because I haven't seen him, but Tennessee's coaches haven't really seen him either like they were going to during the spring. That's a, a real shame, and everybody's affected by that, just like Tennessee. But Tennessee at the quarterback position, I'm sure, was very eager to see what Harrison could do during the spring and then heading into the summer months, and that was taken away, that probably creates some kind of setback or at least keeps him from being able to advance his chances of playing right away. But if if Jarrett's ineffective, which I don't think anybody wants him to be, even fans that are skeptical. Look, and, and by the way, if you're, if you're sitting here saying, okay, enough about Jarrett Garantano, I've seen enough, uh, or at least he's going to need to prove to me that he can be a consistently high-level quarterback in the SEC, I get it because – Uh, That is a big question heading into this year. But for Harrison Bailey, uh, if Jarrett's the starter, which again is the assumption, and if he struggles, then Harrison and or 
Brian Maurer, J.T. Shrout, they're going to get an opportunity. Jeremy Pruitt's already shown that he will make a quarterback change, that he'll make multiple changes. I mean, think about the Gator Bowl. He he took Garantano out, went to Maurer. Maurer didn't have it, so Tennessee went right back to Garantano, and he was better after that. But uh, Jeremy Pruitt has shown, look, I'm going to go with the guy that I think gives us the best chance, and if he doesn't get the job done, then I'll give somebody else an opportunity. You don't want to continue to do that, and if you're having to keep doing that, well, it's because you're getting ineffective play at times. But Tennessee is deeper. Tennessee is definitely better than it was at quarterback a year ago. I have to think that in year two of Jim Chaney's system, Garantano's better. With a year of experience, J.T. Shrout and Brian Maurer should be better, and Harrison Bailey is a legitimate talent, so he's there. Kasim Hill's eligible. Uh, Jimmy Holiday's a guy that was mentioned, but I still think he's more likely to factor in at wide receiver. But Tennessee's more experienced and deeper and more talented at quarterback than it was a year ago. That has to be a good thing. Tennessee also should be better along the offensive line. Among the skill positions, uh, it's kind of up and down. Wide receiver, there's no way to say Tennessee is better than it was a year ago. That, that just isn't true. But at running back, uh, despite Tim Jordan's absence, Eric Gray is a guy that Tennessee's coaches probably didn't really trust at the beginning of last season. Heading into this year, he's a guy that could be a legitimate weapon for Tennessee's offense. It's going to be fascinating to see what those guys look like once they get back out there practicing and to see once the season begins what their roles are, how things have changed with some of those guys that have to be replaced and the improvement that we will likely have seen with Tennessee's offensive line. What about the improvement of Tennessee's program under head coach Jeremy Pruitt? I'm going to get to that. Braden Gall of Athlon Sports weighing in on some of the scouting reports of Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt. That's next on Locked On Vols, today presented by rockauto.com, a great website that I've told you about that can be an option for you if you are looking for new parts for your vehicle. Whatever make or model you're driving, they have options for you. And, it, and it's really worth pointing that out because if you go into a traditional chain store, they're probably going to be limited in the number of different options that they can present to you. But at rockauto.com, which is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, they have a tremendous catalog. It's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts that are available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And of course, the prices part is a big deal. They help you save at rockauto.com. So go to the website, rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. It's rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
On a recent episode, I talked about the scouting report of Tennessee's program that's in the Athlon Sports Preview magazine for this upcoming season. I recommend you check out the magazine. Zach Ellis wrote up the Tennessee section, did a really good job. And then, of course, the magazine just helps get you ready for the upcoming college football season. And in the report, it looked at where Tennessee's program is, recognized the competition that Tennessee is facing, also credited Jeremy Pruitt for the impact he's made on the recruiting trail, the, f- the fact that Tennessee's a factor out there with a lot of the big boys. Now, are they going to land them? Are they going to be able to get some of Smell Munden, Amarius Mims, Peyton Page, guys I talked about earlier in the week? Maybe. They've already landed Terrence Lewis. They've landed, and talk about guys that they've signed. They've signed Henry Toto, Quavaris Crouch, Wanya Morris, Darnell Wright, and a number of really highly tied players, and then having Dylan Brooks, Terrence Lewis, Cody Brown, and several others in the 21 class has gotten a lot of attention as well. But I asked Braden Gall of Athlon Sports. He has the Cover 2 podcast as well that you can check out to keep up with college football. I asked him on Sports 180 on Wednesday during his weekly appearance what stood out to him about what other coaches, I guess I should have pointed that out, that scouting report is from other coaches around the SEC, what he thought reading the scouting report of Tennessee from SEC coaches. Here's Braden Gall. Yeah, I think a couple of different things. Um, I thought it was interesting that other coaches sort of viewed this season as literally quote, make or break year for Jeremy Pruitt. That was the very first line in our, in, in our story with the anonymous scouting report. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but then of course they, they go on to talk about how it was a tougher job and a tougher situation than anybody realized. I, and I don't know, Oh, and eight, the worst season in Tennessee history. I think it's pretty clear <laughs> where, where Tennessee was. Um, but that that the job that they did as a staff start to finish to go from one and four and it's all been documented you know BYU Georgia State ball fans don't need to hear about the how the season played out they everyone remembered but just to, to go from the, the coaching job they did from developing guys from start to finish and, and rallying where where guys could have quit could have given up on the team um, that is sort of I think portrayed in our scouting report through the through the eyes of other coaches in the SEC that really appreciate sort of what they did and how they finished the season. It quote was one of the strongest coach em up jobs you've seen in the league, uh, both the passing game, the overall defense, especially in the secondary or night and day from the Georgia state and BYU game to the bowl game. Um, and so I, I think, I, I think that's pretty common sense, but to hear another coach say, you know, sort of, I guess this is on the record ish. Um, I, I think is, is validation for what Vols fans believe they saw last year, which is a team that, rallied came together developed young players got better and and now there's optimism and reasons to believe in another step and so i think it just validates all the expectations that we've been building for this team every time we talk every week it's you know at least eight wins maybe nine can they get to 10 like all of that kind of talk about growing and building expectations to me that just validates that by by looking at another coach in the league saying I expect more out of this team in 2020. You know, I, I think all that does is, is validate the fans' expectations for another step, and um, all that does is put pressure on the on the guys running the ship up there in Knoxville, which is good. That, that's what you want. The idea is to to have pressure. That's every every great team and every sporting event in every league wants to to have expectations. I mean, that that's the goal of the job, no doubt. And that comes with the job at Tennessee. You know that as a Tennessee fan, and Jeremy Pruitt knows that. When Jeremy Pruitt was hired, he talked about where Tennessee was when he played at Alabama in the 90s as Tennessee was a powerhouse program. And Tennessee, when Jeremy Pruitt uh, came back into the league as he wasn't a a coach yet, but he he joined Alabama's program in 07, it it was about to go in a bad direction. But even that season, Alabama beat Tennessee, but the Vols played in the SEC title game. Jeremy Pruitt has seen Tennessee be at 
the highest level. And he, as a coach, has been at the highest level as an assistant coach winning national titles at Florida State and Alabama and coaching at Georgia where the expectations are really high. Jeremy Pruitt has only known really high expectations. He played at Bama. He coached at Bama, Florida State, and Georgia, and now he's at Tennessee. So he knows that as well, and he knows what caliber athlete, what caliber player overall Tennessee needs to compete with those schools he used to coach at. Now, can he go get them? That will be a question. And can he get enough of them then develop? I think the last couple of years, some of those players that I mentioned, Braden's referencing, getting those guys in and seeing them make some kind of impact right away is good. We need to see more from Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright. Just because they played some as, as freshmen does not mean they will reach their potential, but there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic that that will be the case. And Morris is a, a guy heading into his sophomore season. Remember, Cole Kubelik ranked him the number five offensive tackle in the league heading into his sophomore season. That's a good sign. And then, uh, you know, Quavaris Crouch, he's not played that much. He, he played some last year, for sure, as a freshman. He's going to play a lot more. I think he has a good chance to be a starter. But he's already shown the signs of just, you know, he looks the part as a guy. There's a reason he was ranked so highly. I, I would say something similar to Jalen McCullough, who actually made several starts last year as Tennessee needed help at safety. He's a guy that I, I've talked about earlier in the week. He could be a big breakout player. And then uh, let's see how some of these other highly touted players coming in in the 20 class, how they perform. Can they make an, an immediate impact? You know, a guy like uh, Keyshawn Lawrence in the defensive backfield, Amari Thomas on the defensive line, Tyler Barron. And then there, there comes the question, what about the guys that Tennessee has evaluated? Uh, Danico Slaughter is a guy in the secondary that Derek Angeli has talked about. You can move him around on the field. That's something that with Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Angeli coaching, you trust that they can get the most out of these players. And then there's the strength and conditioning program. It's just such a huge part of the development of players and the, I think, the culture of a program that needs to continue to go in the right direction for Tennessee. So there are a number of factors here. Recruiting, to me, is the biggest just because if you're going to have a chance against Alabama and Georgia, you have to have talent that's comparable to their players. Year in, year out, they're just they're going to beat you more than you're going to beat them when their players are better, but it's more than that. You need to recruit the talent, but you have to develop the talent as well. You have to have the players buy in. You create that competition. We're talking about competition at quarterback. That's elsewhere. If guys like Lawrence and Slaughter are legitimate, they create competition in the secondary. You hope that Warren Burrell is a second-year player can help push that. Tyus Fields on the defensive line. You hope that Amari Thomas and Dominique Bailey and Tyler Barron, those guys coming in with this year's class, push those veterans who have played up front on the defensive line because they need to continue to get better. So it, it all goes together, but you know, we, we can talk about the top 22. That's not going to be enough. It's the, the top 44 and beyond. You, you need a lot of depth. You need guys that you're just going to deal with injuries at different times. Alabama's dealt with a number of injuries. Uh, in the in the past several seasons, they just had a number of four and five star level players who were waiting to take over next man up. Next man up, if if he's really talented, if he's developed, then you're going to have a better chance to survive everything that comes with a, a college football season, especially in the SEC. And as a Tennessee fan, I don't have to tell you about dealing with injuries and needing help at a number of different spots. That applies at quarterback. That applies along the lines of scrimmage. It applies everywhere. You know, even like, think about the 2016 season. It was a, a disappointment. But remember the Vols dealt with really serious injuries to key players. Jalen Reeves, Maben, Cam Sutton, Darren Kirkland Jr. 
And the Vols didn't have quite enough depth at a number of positions. The offensive line got beaten up as that season went along, and they were relying on some young guys that really just weren't ready. Remember, Marcus Tatum had to play in that Alabama game. They wanted to redshirt him on the offensive line. So you need more players. You need those guys that are physically ready to go. So if they're asked to go, they show that they're ready. So Jeremy Pruitt knows that. He'll continue to work on that in the recruiting trail. And how they perform this fall will be a big factor there as well in evaluating, are they really getting better? Are these guys that have been recruited over the last few years Are they playing catch-up at least? Are they showing signs of getting closer to Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and Oklahoma? Speaking of the Oklahoma game, will there be an Oklahoma game? The latest on college football plans for the fall, the latest with other schools and decisions they've made with some off-season workouts. I'll catch you up on that coming up next right here on Locked On Vols, available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, the third-party apps. Locked On Vols is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now to the news and the latest information with a subject I'm sure that you are either tired of hearing about or or get worried anytime it comes up, and that is, will the football season happen and will it start on time? Let me get to that second part first. Will the college football season start on time? I think right now there continues to be a growing either expectation or at least anticipation of a delayed start to the college football season. Brandon Marcello, who covers college football for 247 Sports, reported after talking to some Power 5 administrators that there is pessimism toward the season starting on time, meaning that August 29th and then September 5th weekend. September 5th is Tennessee's scheduled home opener against Charlotte. Marcello wrote this on Twitter, they will wait until late July or early August to make decisions, but the first contingency will be an in-season delay, not a push to the spring. That's the last option. And that would back up some other thoughts that have been there from national reporters that spring football is being talked about, but as a last resort. There was news on Wednesday from the Ivy League. The Ivy League will not have fall sports. They have been canceled or postponed. Postponed, I think, is the right description because they're they're hoping to move those to the spring. They could still have spring football if everything works out. And there has also been the question, okay, is this an indication that that's what the Power 5 schools are going to do? I would say no to that right now. Marcelo said that, that the Ivy League announcement was not going to have an effect on what the Power Five decides to do, and others have backed that up because the motivation is different. The Power Five needs that money from college football. The FBS needs that money from college football, so their motivation is to try to get it in as much as they can. But how much are they going to be able to play? Are we going to see a 12-game schedule this fall? If the season is delayed, then I think a 12-game schedule with, in the SEC at least, eight conference games and four non-conference games becomes less likely. I saw Jeff Schwartz, who is a former college and NFL offensive lineman now in the media, say that he is really losing confidence that a full schedule happens, but is still confident that we at least get conference schedules. And right now, if I could tell you, hey, would you sign up a with a guaranteed eight-game conference-only schedule? Or maybe the SEC could do a nine-game conference schedule if they're not doing non-conference games. It would not be ideal. I'm sure you want to see some uh, some non-conference games at Neyland Stadium. I'm sure you want to see the Tennessee-Oklahoma game. I know I do. But if we could guarantee at least conference schedules take place, I would take that right now. We had news on Wednesday that Ohio State has shut down its voluntary workouts with all the different sports. North Carolina 
has suspended the off-season voluntary workouts with the football program. There continues to be concern. It's just being realistic here, just being honest. There continues to be concern behind the scenes about how things are going with COVID. And, and this is not a statement on what's going on with the virus, what you should think about it, what should be done. It's just what, what the reality is, and that is that right now college administrators seem concerned. Heck, if, if Ohio State's shutting down the workouts, if North Carolina's doing the same, if the Ivy League is just moving fall sports, then it's pretty obvious that there is some kind of concern what does that mean over the next few weeks? Let's see. But the next few weeks are going to be critical. And I know that there is the thought that they need to make a decision here by the end of July. I would not be surprised if we get to the end of July and there still has not been a final determination from everybody. And you know, that's part of the issue as well. You have a lot of people who are involved in these decisions, and there's a good chance it's a conference-by-conference decision. And if that's the case, I'd say there's a, a real chance that we see conference-only action. But I will also continue to say that a lot of people recognize the importance of football, and I'm talking about the financial importance. And of course, coaches want to go out there and have games. Players want to go out there and play as well overall. But there's also just a huge financial economic impact, not on people getting paid. I mean, that's part of it, but other sports happening. If there's no football season, good luck to the other sports being able to survive. Stanford announced that it's cutting 11 sports. Uh, 11 varsity sports after this upcoming calendar year, assuming those sports take place this upcoming year. It's a, a terrible thing to see, but that is the reality of where things are here in 2020. Cole Kublik of the SEC Network noted the new CDC testing guidelines that read a player could test positive without symptoms and then could retest every 24 hours. That could possibly bring someone back in three days with consecutive negative tests. The PGA has adopted similar plan. Maybe you saw recently that Jimmy Johnson was unavailable, that he was away from the track, and then his tests, he had uh, he had tests come back negative, so he's able to return to racing this upcoming week. College football could potentially adopt that approach, and it would make it easier in terms of, well, if a guy tests positive, he's not automatically out for two weeks. Uh, also, I see you know the MLS. It started back up on Wednesday night. I'll continue to say that let's watch and see what happens with the pro sports. The basketball tournament, which I've really enjoyed, by the way, that has been able to continue on over the last four or five days. I think that's a positive sign. I think the MLS being able to start up is good. Let's see if they continue play. If that's the case, seeing team sports in action, that's really important. The PGA Tour is different. NASCAR is different. If you see team sports happen in two weeks, Major League Baseball is set to begin two weeks from Friday. If that goes off as planned and continues play, if the NBA, we can say the same, then to me, it becomes much more realistic that that happens with football. Maybe not on time, but that we get a season. And I cannot stress enough how much I want to see a football season happen this fall. So that's kind of the latest. The news the last few days or the last couple of weeks has not been all that positive, but that, but we can still find reasons to be optimistic. We also need to be smart and athletes need to be smart. If they want to play football, they need to make good decisions here over the next few weeks. I certainly hope that happens. I really appreciate you being here on Locked on Vols today, presented by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks again to everybody who's left a rating and review for the show. If you haven't done that, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts are always appreciated. Right now, the plan will be for the next show to take place on Monday. I've got some fun guests lined up 
for next week as well. We'll continue to talk about what's happening off the field. We'll continue to look ahead to the 2020 college football season. As long as they're planning to play one, I'll plan to talk about it right here on Locked on Vols. I'll get some basketball talk into next week's show as well. There continues to be a lot of buzz around Tennessee basketball. Thank you again for hanging out today. I'll see you next time on Locked on Vols. 